welcome to the Leadership Innovation Ventures and Entrepreneurship Podcast, also known as LIVE. I'm your co-host, Etanosa Beboin, a community coordinator with the University Housing and Dining. And I'm Brandon Jones, and I'm your co-host. I'm the Associate Director for Student Learning and Development. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome, everybody, to this installment of the Leadership Innovation Ventures and Entrepreneurship Podcast. I am your co-host, Brandon Jones. And I'm Etanosa O'Bevoin. We're so excited to be before you all today for this fine summer school edition of the live podcast. Listen, folks, we have a fantastic, very, very, very special guest with us today. And normally I try to read bios and all that stuff for the show. But today, if you're familiar with Black UT uh, and Black UT is a thing, we're going to talk about that in just a second. But if you're familiar with Black UT, then you know who our guest is. He's a graduate of the University of Texas at Austin, one of the most popular dynamic speakers, singer, songwriter, producers, cinematographer, documentarian, whatever you want to call him, uh, Ukira Ukira. I want to give him a chance to introduce himself and let everybody know uh, what you've been up to, man. How you doing this morning? I'm doing good. First of all, I appreciate you pronouncing my name correctly. I um, take it serious. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my name is Ukiro Ukiro, and um, I'm UT class of 19. I came to UT in 2015, did my four years there. I was an RTF major, so that's radio, TV, film. And yeah, I was lucky to take the Matthew McConaughey class. I like to say that because a lot of people are like, have you met him? I'm like, yeah. I, yeah, when I was at UT, I did a lot of work that I, I consider community service films. And a lot of that work was really just inspired by, I don't know, just love, really. That's, that's my favorite word. And now I'm a master's student at the University of Southern California School of Cinematic Arts, and I'm doing an MFA in film and TV production. And I'm going into my second year. Man, that's fantastic. Oh, I forgot to say I'm from Nigeria. I'm an international student. That's very important. Let them know. Let them know. (laughs) That's also why I take pronouncing people's names uh, (laughs) correctly as well. Right. Uh -uh. You mispronounce it. It means something different. So absolutely. Listen, I'm excited about this episode because I've been I've been a fan of yours since I got here in 2017. Um, if you you may not remember, but I think that uh, you and a lot of the other students in the African Student Organization really helped make me and my family uh, feel very welcome uh, here on campus. You all were the first student organization to reach out to me when I got on campus. Um, I remember. Gave me a front row seat at Fest Africa. Uh, yeah. invited me to the dinners and all that. And I'm like, I remember. I'm, I'm forever indebted to that. And so I, I was like, yo, anything you all ever need from me, I'm always going to be uh, in the building to support for us. So I just want to say on air, thank you for that, that. That meant a lot to us because we love students and the amount of love you all showed to us when we got here was just incredible, man. So thank you for doing you, And He means it, folks. When he says love is his word, he means that. I, I really want the folks out there to know that about you. Oh, no, thank you. I mean, I, I remember meeting you um, the first time. The first time I met you in person was, I think we invited you to our end of the year dinner, mm-hmm. I think. And then I, I met you in person. But I was I was excited. I don't know why I was excited to have you on campus. I had never met you. I didn't know you. Yeah. But I, I think maybe it's because I followed you on Twitter yep. and on maybe on Facebook. And I saw yep. you engaging with us and coming from a Nigerian background where I went to school in Nigeria teachers, faculty, they tend not to engage with students. They're like, they're like the gods. And then we are the mortals. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I react positively to any kind of older 
figure in an official setting who is very um, engaged, you know, because I think, you know, what we do in school, not to sound like an educational professional, because I'm not, but, you know, it's you a lot of now. life stuff, you know, so I appreciate you as well. Well, I appreciate that. Listen, folks, it's all love on this episode. It's all it's all love. I wish I had music playing in the background like the old old school DJs. You said <laughs> something that a lot of people tend to think about when they hear about the University of Texas, and that's Matthew McConaughey. Everybody automatically assumes, you know, Matthew McConaughey and a bunch of other celebrities. What was that like not only taking his class, but just interacting with him? It was it was really cool. Um Matthew is let's just say he he earned his Oscar and I'm not saying that there I don't know what other actors are like but having seen, seen him work because I he was he I, I took that class I met him at UT um, and I happened to intern for the professor Scott Rice shout out to Scott Rice he's like a big a big figure in my life in terms of someone who just gave me opportunities to just learn on film sets before I was qualified for that and you need that as a film major because when you come in you're like what is filmmaking? How, how do you do film? How, what is a director? What is a producer? Unless you have experience prior to that. I didn't. And I was struggling and he gave me opportunities. And so one of those opportunities was an internship in 2018. And I got to edit a, an anti-human trafficking campaign that Matthew was a part of. And Matthew saw it and was really impressed with my work. And so meeting him in person, at least he had seen something I had already done. So that was pretty cool to just, ha- you know, you just have that. It's like you're meeting a, a, a hero and he likes your work, even if he doesn't know who you are. But being in that class with him and hearing him throw around a lot of gems. Matthew is very poetic. Mm-hmm. Have you read his book? It's called Green Lights. I'm not done with it. I'm actually going to st- I'm actually planning to actually read his book. Some of my students and I plan on reading it as one of our fall readings. So I'm really ex- I'm actually yeah. excited to get into it. Green Lights is for everybody. I mean, again, I'm not done with it, but I can tell you so far if you I like poetry. Poetry is probably like my favorite thing right now. And. Matthew is a very poetic person, you know, um, and if you know his journey, you know, there's just, there's been, you know, there was a rom-coms and there was the season where he was just regarded as eye candy, mm-hmm. you know, for, for film. Um, but he, he really, his mind, the way he just thinks about life, I, I could relate to that. And so it was cool learning with him and um, it was cool shooting the thing with him for the Oscars. Right. And so I got to do a, I got to shoot something for Matthew, for, for the, for the pre-Oscars uh, campaign that was supposed to tell people to come back to the cinemas. I shot that in April and working with Matthew, I was again reminded why he's so hardworking. I mean, he showed up on time, right? You hear these things about Hollywood people, like, you know, they don't, they don't care. He showed up like 15 minutes ahead of time. I was like, Oh my God, I haven't even put the audio recorder. Like I haven't plugged <laughs> it in. Um, I was ready. I mean, I just need to put like a knob in something, but like, still, you know, I wasn't like just waiting on him and he, um, he killed it. He asked for directions. He, he helped me. He directed me back. Mm-hmm. He took, correction he he readjusted he asked do you need another take I mean how many people do you know who do that so he made me work harder and that's what you want that's what you want you know I, I didn't feel intimidated I just felt really really chill so he lives up to the hype and goes beyond that and he didn't pay me to say that I promise it's it's really it's genuine love it love it that's did you have a I, I saw you looking like you had no a- I'm sitting here in awe because I haven't met a celebrity okay and not only to meet a celebrity to take a class and to learn from them I think everyone asks you like oh like who would what celebrity would you love to sit down and like learn from I'm a big yeah. business person and I'm I'm very much like give me a Beyonce give me a Rihanna real fast right mm-hmm. and you're over here like Matthew McConaughey has done all this stuff like as far as his acting career and then you get mm-hmm. to meet him and you're like he is a hero in real yeah. life and I think yeah. I personally have a fear sometimes like oh what if I do meet those people in real life mm-hmm. and they're not what I expected 
of them. Right. And it sounds like you meeting him, you were like, nah, he was, he was more than I expected. So that that's amazing. Now I'm going to tell everybody, I'd be like, yeah, um, he's amazing. Matthew McConaughey (laughs) is wonderful. I've never met him, but people tell me. So you you also talked about uh, being uh, RTF and for folks that don't know that that's radio, television and film. And it's one of the popular majors on campus. I, I, every student that I've met, in RTF, I continue to be impressed by. Uh, I love uh, encountering, because I was a graphic design major in undergrad. And so for me, I love meeting other creative students on campus. And so we we always vibe uh, over those things, but talk to the people who are, especially who are considering RTF, uh, specifically here at UT. What was yeah. that like being in that major here at UT? Yeah, um, it was exciting because I don't know. You just you just felt like, OK, maybe wrongly or rightly that after you graduate, you're going to become a big filmmaker or something. Right. <laughs> and then you start learning about the process and um, you start appreciating the process. And what I like about the RTF program is you have access to really talented people. It really is the people. And if you meet enough people who want to do cool work, you you prosper. What was it like my freshman year? I wasn't I had fun because all I had to do was study for like uh, theory exams. It was just media studies, mm-hmm. but I also didn't like have all the fun in the world because, and ha- I'm, I'm just going to be candid because I don't, I, yeah, I don't like sugarcoat things. You know, it was a lot of, these are historical films that have been, that have been played and a lot of it is by white filmmakers. Right. Mm-hmm. And the one time you see a film by a black person, it's, you know, the trauma porn, it's something that's more like, I don't know, some oppression kind of film. Mm-hmm. And I think it was there and then that, my, my, my sensitivity started building up, you know, because you, you know, you watch a film and maybe sometimes there wasn't enough like critical dialogue about what this representation of Native Americans or, you know, I forget there's a, there's a movie, Stagecoach. Everybody mm-hmm. loves Stagecoach in America. My God. Right. But then you watch it and it's like, dang, that was that was the, the manifest destiny and how mm-hmm. land was stolen back in the day. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're watching. So that was that was maybe the difficult part uh, navigating that. And then the interesting thing is I had to learn all these things in retrospect, because when I came to America, I didn't know I was black, Mm. right? Which is a thing people don't understand sometimes if you haven't engaged with Africans or Africans who are black, right? Like in terms of their physical appearance. So I was watching things and I was engaging with things and it was all exciting. Um, But I was at that point in time, I was like, I'm Nigerian, man. I don't know what black is, right? I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm something that I don't understand. And I don't want to don an identity that I, I don't, have all the information I need to respect and to, you know, to, to, to just navigate. Right. Um, but to bring it back to RTF, yeah, it was cool. Second year got a, a little bit more interesting, a little bit more practical. Third year was way more practical. And fourth year was also way more practical for anyone who's coming into the RTF major at UT. You have to take initiative and I encourage you, encourage you, encourage you to go for office hours. I, I have to be honest. I wasn't an office hours person. The first mm-hmm. office hours I went to was with Scott Rice and he was not my professor. It was because I liked his work and I saw his work on The Cage, The Cage Newsletter. If you're interested in RTF, subscribe to The Cage Newsletter. You need to subscribe to that. Sometimes you just see things that, that are interesting. And, and so he, um, not he, uh, the, the, the program, you just have to take initiative. There's sound classes, there's editing classes. Do some research, meet professors. They want to teach you. They want to help you. But if you don't show initiative, they can only help you because they don't know what you need. They don't know what you're interested in. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know exactly what you want to do. And you just have to find a group of people who you enjoy doing film with because film should be fun. Film is not people. There's a thing people say, a lot of talented people will say this. 
um, if people have done a lot of work, RTF film, we're not solving, we're not solving, can- we're not trying to solve cancer, right? We're not trying to develop a cure for cancer. We are just, we're making films and it's not mm-hmm. to reduce the meaning of that. It's just to remind you that, you know, if that's, sh- if that shot, you shot, like your cinematographer didn't do a good job. Don't be like, you're bad or you're terrible or get out of my, you don't do that. We're friends here. Um, so it was a lot of fun when I found people and, and yeah, it was, it was just good to work with the, oh, one more thing about the RTF program. That's really cool is the master students tend to hire or, or get the undergrad students on their film sets. So you get to learn from the more advanced stuff. Mm-hmm. So look out for those kinds of idea, those kinds of film casting calls, crew calls, and take advantage of the opportunities. Film is supposed to be practical. Um, I understand that sometimes you have to be in classroom, but the more practical it gets for you, the better. So um, I think that was my experience. My experience was just doing a lot of stuff outside of class. Now, I won't lie. I YouTubed a lot of things. Okay. <laughs> I did a lot of YouTube. My professors taught me what they taught me. And then I would YouTube and then I would go out and shoot. You supplemented would... your learning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had to supplement. You'll learn that in grad lie. school. <laughs> What'd you say? I said, you'll learn how to do that even more in grad school. You, oh, you supplemented your learning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. Etienne, what, what, what are you thinking over there? Yeah, well, I'm really intrigued. Kind of when you talked about coming from Nigeria and then coming to UT and film. So what I want to know about is like, how did you get into film kind of thing? And then I went onto your website and I watched a lot of the themes that you've produced and stuff like that. And um, being Nigeria, I can understand that there's this Black culture to themes. And so a lot of yeah. the films that you have, especially your shorts, uh, surround Black culture. So how do you... How did you get interested in film? And then how do you feel like you've navigated maybe black culture to produce yeah. films like that? You guys were not playing when you said you would ask these guys, you know, like serious, like real questions. I appreciate it. I love that. I watch a lot of interviews on YouTube. That's what like I, what I sleep to and wake up to. And sometimes you watch interviews and I'm like, oh, man, why are you asking? You could have, you could have, you could have gone to your, you didn't go to your website. You didn't watch that. You didn't listen to the song. You stopped that one minute, you know? Listen, I'm trying to be Oprah with Prince Harry and Megan. Okay. So hey. <laughs> she's on it. <laughs> were you silenced or were you silent? <laughs> Love that. Um, man. But yeah, I, um, I got into film. So when I, when I was growing up in Nigeria, I wanted to be a lawyer. My dad is a lawyer mm-hmm. and I wanted to be a lawyer because it was the one thing that I saw that kind of made him sort of untouchable. And by that, I mean, he knew his rights. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have like the best relationship with the police in Nigeria, which is one thing we share in common because it's a different kind of dynamic, but it's still the same idea that the police back home are not our friend, even though that's their motto, right? It's not to serve and to protect us. The police is your friend. And so the other thing I saw was that human rights were not really respected. And my dad was human, is a human rights activist. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, I watched a lot of Smallville, Kyle XY, superhero shows, and I wanted to be a superhero. Mm-hmm. And the closest thing to a superhero to me was my dad, you know, a lawyer, human rights activist, um, a man of the people, that kind of thing, right? So my, my dad was mythologized in my head, like it happens with most sons and their fathers, right? Um, and so I wanted to just follow that path, and I wanted to go to school to study law. I was 16. I got into this, the, the law program at the University of Nigeria in Sukai, it's in Enugu. And at the same time as I got into that program, I also got into a program called the African Leadership Academy. It was, it's a two-year, two-year, two-year program in Joburg, South Africa. It's a pre-university program. And the whole idea of, of the African Leadership Academy is to train the next, to develop the next generation of African leaders. And so it's very, it has a very futuristic vision, right? It's not about turning out graduates. And then in two years, we see the results. It's like 60 years from now, 
from when they were created. We're going to have all these people operating within and outside of the continent in the African diaspora who have high level training. And it was created by, I think, two Stanford Business School graduates. I think, I think Swanick, Mr. Swanick and Mr. Bradford were probably from Stanford. I can't remember. <laughs> but um, it was that kind of program. It's about entrepreneurship, right? So I got into that program. I got into to school for law. And at the same time, the same exact time, there was this thing that happened when Obama had become president. And Obama recognized one of the founders of ALA. ALA is the African Leadership Academy. That's what we call it, ALA. He recognized him. He said the U.S. is going to be pumping more funds, you know, to fund African leaders. When my dad heard that, because he was considering, I don't know, it's kind of expensive. I know you have a scholarship and everything. And he was like, go for it. So Obama <laughs> and Swanaker make convince my dad. And so I went to the, this school. Now, this is when the film thing happened. Because, again, I still wanted to study law. I wanted to go and study sociology at Harvard or something. Like, that was my goal. Because um, I saw it in a movie. So there's a theme here. Movies be influencing me way too much, right? <laughs> um, and TV shows, right? And so I went on campus. Now, you guys will remember the Arab Spring. Do you guys remember the Arab Spring? Mm-hmm. So something that was pivotal in the Arab Spring, for those who don't know, who, who listen to this, Arab Spring was this season, if I may call it that, in which leaders in the, should I, I'll just call it the Arab, the, the Horn of Africa, it's North Africa. There was just a lot of upheaval, um, or should I say resistance to mm-hmm. dictatorship or dict- dict- dictatorial um, uh, leadership in, in these areas. And the people who led these things were young people. It was the youth. Mm-hmm. So they led them with, their, with, with, with whatever they had. But one tool that they had was their phones mm-hmm. and cameras. And I don't know what the academics would say, but I think my own uneducated mind (laughs) that maybe that was where surveillance started. And maybe we saw that in the African diaspora here in America. And then we were like, you know what? Let's start filming police. That's how that's how I read it. That in my head, that's the timeline. But I could be wrong. Maybe it started in America, but it's not about who started or anything. I'm just saying that there was a connection there. Um, And this was 2013, 2014. So you get to this campus and ALA has students from all over Africa. Mm-hmm. And there were students from North Africa there, and they happened to have cameras. Um, there was even a squad called the Egyptian Mafia, <laughs> right? And so I had a friend, and she had a camera, I think it was a Nikon or a Canon, it was DSLR. And mm-hmm. one day, we're just chilling in the quad. It's a very well-known place in ALA. And then she tells me to take a picture of her or something, right? So I'd seen some videos of people using cameras. I don't really know how to use them, but I think I even told her, how do you turn this thing on? And she helps me turn it on, right? And so she's in front of me, and then I wanted to zoom. And so I turned what I thought was a zoom ring, but I actually turned the focus ring. The focus ah. ring focuses on the leaves behind her and she goes blurry. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then I turned the focus ring, the, 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 the counterway, whatever it was. And it now focuses on her and the leaves are blurry. I was like, what? Yeah. And then I, I was like, is that how they make music videos? I want to do this for the rest of my life. That, <laughs> yeah. I kid you know, that was when it happened. And because I just thought that was kind of cool, the the ability to focus on one aspect of a frame and blur the other aspect. And then if I move the camera around, I'll be like, man, I'm making the same music videos that Clarence Peters makes for P-Square and, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, Don Jazzy and DeBange. Like, Mm -hmm. I was like, dang, like, this is this is how you do it. And and honestly, that's how I got into film. So I told my mom and she freaked out. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Thought I wanted to do music, which I don't I still don't understand to today because I don't think I was really showing my musical gifts back home. Uh, but they eventually got on board, my dad first and then my mom. Mm-hmm. And they, over time, they, they became more supportive, especially because the thing is, if you're going to do something that is not engineering, doc, doc, uh, medicine, accounting, tech, and you're from an African background, I'm just going to give you advice real quick because it might get frustrating if you don't have family support. You just mm-hmm. have to be 
the best that you can be. It is that kind of like work twice as hard to earn half as much. Like maybe your other class, your, your siblings who are just, I'm not saying they're ordinary, but like, yeah. even if they just get a job, it's, it's good. But you, you have to be the best. You have to be the Israel Adesanya of your, of your, you know, you know, Israel Adesanya, he's a UFC fighter, right? You have to be that level. You have to be David Oyelowo if you're going to be an actor. You, or Chiwetel for you can't just be an unknown actor. Yeah. It's unfortunate. And eventually I think it would change, but that is just how your mind has to work if you want to do these things. So that's how I got into film. I felt like my background, people, people watch the news, but people learn more from super story. People who know super story and the other soap operas we watched growing up, y'all know like that was what taught you morals. That's what taught me what was right and wrong. It was movies. It wasn't the law. I didn't know the law. I mean, I knew the basic things from church and everything, but I didn't know the law. What I knew was if you do good, this is what happens. If you do bad, this is what happens. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a Clark Kent. It's Kyle XY. It's, 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 it's Lucas Scott from One Tree Hill. It's, you know, it's the American shows, it's the Nigerian shows too, the super story, the episodes, This Life, Papa, Jasco. Like, these are all things we watched growing up. The yeah. Mexican soap operas we watched that were really good. The Bollywood movies I watched growing up, they, they, they informed my ethics. And so I figured if they could do that for me, I'm a human being. Maybe I can do that with other people. Maybe I can infuse ideas into Nollywood. And uh, maybe, I don't know. So yeah, that was really long, but that's how I got into Oh film. no, no, this is this is like I'm over here writing and I'm going crazy because I'm like, yes, this is exactly why we had to have you on this episode. Because I mean, you you, you threatened you threaded the cultural knot there. Uh, you talked about you know being from an African background and you know recognizing that you may not have the support you need, and I think that that's why some students come to college. And don't change their majors to what they actually want to do, because I've worked in, you know, higher education. Oh, Lord, this year, uh, it'll be 16 years now. And the thing that I've I've noticed from every school that I've worked at is I run into those students who their parents were an engineer, a doctor or a lawyer. And so inevitably they'll choose that vocation and that major. But as the advisor, I'd look at the test scores and I look at the things that they were gifted at on paper. And I'm like. We, when we talk, we, you talk more about music, yeah. but you're a pre-med major and you didn't really do good in math. Yeah. Let's talk about that. And they're like, no, I don't know if my parents will fund it. And it's like, yeah. and as a parent now, I'm wondering what kind of dad am I if I abandon my kid because yeah. suddenly he wants to go into the arts. Now, again, that ain't going to be a problem in our house because my grandmother was a painter. My grandfather could draw fairly well. And my daughter is showing signs of going into the arts or something else. And so I'm like, I'm going to support the interest. But I think you're right that a lot of the time students miss that opportunity to really pursue what they want because they're afraid of being the first uh, or stepping out. What helped you be okay with like going against the grain, especially being from an African background? Because that is significant culturally. It is. And African immigrant background too. I was coming to the U.S. too, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, so I'll, I'll, I'll answer your question about uh, navigating blackness and like in my films, of course, we'll come back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it helped that I had a full scholarship, right? Mm-hmm. I think I, I, I missed that part. So, because um, I feel like I was trying to kind of summarize. It's all good. One of the conversations that I had with my father. Now, imagine I haven't seen The Sopranos or The Godfather, but it's kind of like that deep conversation you're in a car with your dad and he's driving right and he's like you know you're talking about life you know I my dad and I had had begun to develop a relationship after I went to that school in South Africa I came back and I had the audacity to tell him dad I want to just with you which is like (laughs) what I was like dad like I don't know like I don't that school really changed me so um real quick before I went to that school I used to fight with my mom a lot I had 
it's not even anger issues. I just, uh, I don't know what I was going through as, as a teenager, but it was very deep because I was very aware of the world. It mm-hmm. wasn't just me trying to be a rebel. It was me discovering myself. And so when I went to ALA, I learned about self-leadership counseling. I would go for like counseling sessions mm-hmm. and I learned about self, about, I learned about EQ. You know, that there's this Harvard Business Review, very popular article about emotional intelligence yep. and leadership. And you learn about self-motivation, self-regulation, emotional intelligence, innovation, and something else. I think I, I might have messed it up. But the point is, I learned that I could feel something and then I don't have to react based on how I felt. And that changed my relationship with my mom. So within six months of being in South Africa in 2018, in 2013, August to December, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but anyway, to talk about like support. So it's 2014, uh, maybe, I don't know. I don't know when it was, maybe December. And I'm talking to my dad and my dad says, hey, man, look, I really mess with your vision. I mean, he didn't say those words, but that was, that <laughs> oh, was the okay. I, I like what you're trying to do with film because my dad liked journalism when he was younger. And I only discovered later that he, 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 write, he used to write poetry. <laughs> okay. Um, and so he, he said, bro, you just, if you get a full scholarship, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. If I fund your education, I may have a say. I may want you to do this and do this. And then eventually you can do what you want to do. And I was like, bet I have to get a full scholarship then. And so um, that was what I was looking for when I was at ALA. Because ALA is a really good university. Y'all should look that, that up and see, maybe see if um, the, the Black community of Black UT could collaborate with ALA to do some kind of exchange mm. program. Because I could be, because ALA as a campus, you go there and it's people from across the African continent. It's not just like you went yeah. to, to Cape Town, um, or you went to Kenya. It's like you, you're in South Africa with students from everywhere. You meet Nigerians, Kenyans, Tunisians, um, Moroccans, Angola, everyone. But yeah, so my, my, my father had that conversation with me and I, I got a scholarship from the African Leadership Bridge. They're not connected. ALA and ALB are not connected. ALB is a nonprofit based in Austin. Oh, wow. That was founded by a UT, um, a, a Texas ex, whose mm-hmm. name is Rick Reeder. Right. And he founded wow. this organization to support a Texas ex as well called John Kidenda from Kenya, who towards his graduate when he was about to graduate, lost his I believe he lost his family member who was like his main source of support. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and he needed to graduate. And Rick was John's mentor. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so, yeah, Rick, Rick was just like, let me pull some resources together. I know people again. The Margaret Mead's quote about it only takes a small group of young people to change the world. I mean, a group, a small group of people, I forget, I'm paraphrasing, but they found funds for him. And then ALB was formed from that. Wow. So what, what started here did change the world. Change did change the my world. world. There we right? go. And this was, Stop. right. That was way before I hadn't even left Nigeria. Then I didn't even know, I didn't know anything about the world really, but this was happening in Austin. Right. It may have been happening on the Guad, on the, on the, on the call, on the, it's called Guad, right? The drag. Yeah. Yep. Guadalupe. Yep. It might have been happening at Chipotle. That's crazy. Right. And yeah. And that's how ALB was founded and ALB funded scholars from, from ALA specifically. Mm-hmm. And then I was the last one that was funded directly from ALA. They have a picture um, of you on their website, by the way. Just, so yeah. you, just in case you didn't know that you popular are over there. Wait, on, on what website? On the ALB website, there's a picture of you, uh, with the, with a couple of other folks um, in a smiling and you throwing up the hook and that is yeah 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 yes oh we're family it's it's pretty small small program it's 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 um we're family we're really family um Rick and I yeah he he he's he's like a mentor role model but yeah so that's how I got my scholarship to come to to the United States and what kept me going what kept me going against the green was I hate how this sounds it's so cheesy but it was a vision. 
-hmm. It was really a vision. That's the only thing, because if it was money, I would have changed my major after I learned what tech people were making. Mm -hmm. Right. If it was, I don't know if I was just doing it for fun. Film isn't always fun, not to contradict what I said, but there's going to be that day. You're going to go out there and the weather isn't going to cooperate. Um, You're not going to charge your battery. And then you show up, then you have to wing it. You know, you can't tell the people you're working with, oh, I didn't charge the battery. You're going to have to, you know, and then one day you're going to mess up. One day you're going to, I lost my camera one time. I don't know how it got oh. stolen. I don't, things happen. It was a vision. And it was a vision I had when I was in Nigeria. And I had heard about something called New Nollywood, I think. Neo Nollywood, something. But there were a group of people in Nigeria who were making very interesting films. And they were from a, a company called Nemsia Studios. If you guys hear this, please, I want an internship or like, I want to work with y'all. But um, <laughs> they were making interesting work. That was the first time I was seeing cinematography, not just camera work, cinematography, Nigerian films. Um, and there's this guy called um, No Dash. He's a cinematographer. He's really, really good. And I've seen his progress. And I watched interviews of him when I was in Abba. Abba is a city I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Abba, is, Abba is great. I love Abba. Abba is a, is a small commercial city in Nigeria. Uh, with people with big dreams, small city, big dreams, you know? That's me. And when I watched that, <laughs> when I watched that video, I watched some interviews, I was like, what these people are saying in 2012, 2013, no, 2013, 2014, because I was, I was kind of thinking about the film thing around that time. I don't know, but I feel like 10 years from now, if I don't tap in now, like if I don't get in now, if I don't get on this wave now and sail, I'm going to regret it. I'm going to, re- and, and I watch a lot of Bollywood. Bollywood movies inform a lot of my, my ideas about like how to capture shots, to make them really grand. It's mm-hmm. you know, you, when you watch my work, it's, it's kind of musical in the way it sways. Yeah. It's because I'm, I'm trying to sometimes maybe mimic that. Because in Bollywood movies, they break into music numbers a lot, like in yeah. High School Musical, right? But it's cultural and they're speaking their language and that's why I respect them. So I, I want to make Nigerian Bollywood movies, you know? Like I want to make Nollywood movies with, with our music. Yeah. And it was a vision. It was maybe two film ideas I wanted to just make. And I knew if I don't get on this, if I don't keep pushing, it's not going to work. I got the scholarship. I was like, that's a sign. Let's keep going. I get on UT, the UT campus. I have access to resources. I have people. I have the CDs now. I have the skyscraper. I'm like, I can tell a love story about a metropolitan dude who meets, you know, who meets an African girl, a Nigerian girl. And he went back to the village for December. Maybe that's a story I can tell. All these ideas of love stories and playful stories and childhood stuff was just coming into my mind. I have the language for it now. But I didn't then, but I just knew maybe, just maybe if I, if I was around the right people, I could watch the film that I wish I watched when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Like I can, I can make the film oh, man. that I would enjoy. I want to make, I want to make the film. I was watching Fatherhood yesterday and I know people are like, some, fa- some people are fans of Kevin Hart and people, people are not. I like his films more than his comedy, but I, 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 I like his stuff. And I was crying. I haven't finished it, but every couple minutes I would cry. And so I, and then you ask some people, some people are not, are not really crazy about the film, but I'm like, I love it because I'm really interested in fatherhood. Like I'd be joking with people that I love six daughters or something. Right. And so I'm watching it and I'm like, he says, don't do it. <laughs> I got so it. I'm like, I'm watching it and I'm, I'm really emotional. So I, I'm a deeply emotional, sensitive man. Right. Mm. And I wanted to, I want to make those films. I want to, so I, I have to watch them before I die mm. or my kids get to watch them. That's why mm. I'm still doing this thing. That's why I'm still experimenting. If I stop, that's it. And I, I'm not saying no one else would do it, but will anyone else do it like me? Like, does anyone have the specific experiences I've had, what I've watched, like the collection of films and experience I've had growing up in Nigeria, going to South Africa, coming to the US, navigating race and ethnicity and mm-hmm. ideas about love and tragedy and misery and loss. And man, I've, I've seen things and I just want to put them on the screen the way that I've seen them because other people aren't doing it. They're not doing it. So 
I want to watch my own stuff. Same reason why I make my music. <laughs> wow. Um, first of all, Fatherhood from Netflix. Great movie. I kept crying. I don't think I saw it. I was like, oh, well, Fatherhood. I was like, <laughs> Black women. Yeah. <laughs> but it was such a, a very emotional movie. And I love that. And I think you were really onto something about like, and this is what I like to tell students and people that I subconsciously coach in life that you can do all of that. And the theme that makes it special, the theme that makes it blow up, the theme that makes it incredible is you. you no yeah. one in the world, no one in the world has the same experiences as you. No one's seen things as you. No one has felt things like you have felt things. So I have no doubt mm. that I'm going to see a movie that you make, a film, a commercial or something like that. And I'm going to feel that emotion. I'm going to feel the grandeur of it. And I'm like, y'all, I interviewed him on a podcast. Okay. Yeah. I said, if I have to pull up on at USC to see you and be like, oh my God, this is a dream come true. You've become my <laughs> hero. I will, because I think it's super important for people to understand that like you only live one life. And yeah. I understand, I know like being Nigerian American, like my parents want me to be, to be set up to provide for myself. They want me yeah. to be financially secure. They want me to have, that's why they want us to go into engineering, tech, medicine, being a lawyer, yeah. accountant, because they know those professions make money. But there's something yeah. said that once like, when you have a vision, when you have a passion, when you can't sleep at night, because like, this is consuming you, yeah. I think you can't go wrong with that. And you can't stop, right? I yeah. just from hearing you and listening to you, it just sounds like it's something that you can't get rid of. Yeah, it's it's the way I put it to a friend of mine who were trying to figure out how to make a music video for an artist. And I said, I need to exercise myself, bro. I, I can't deal with it anymore. So you're you're right. Yeah, you're right. I I'm a bit this is very off topic, but on topic, but keep it in there. Let's do it. Um, I'm a big fan of children's books because I think like when you inspire children, like they become people like all of us here, creative people Straight who over their dreams. So there's this book that I bought from Sam's Club. It's called, what do you do with an idea? And it talks about how it's like, this is literally a children's book, but I love it so much because it talks about how it just, your idea never goes away, that there's this fear that you're like, oh, if I tell people, people are going to ridicule it or they're not yeah. going to like it and stuff like that. But it just never leaves you and mm -hmm. it, it, it just consumes you and stuff like that. And um, I personally very much think like, like you said, young people are really the people who are going to change the world kind of thing. I think we have this mentality that says like, we can't stop, won't stop. And I, we see this vision. Maybe it's not a collective vision, but I, yeah. each one of us has a vision to do better, to make something grand, to Absolutely. inspire and encourage um, the next generation. We Half of us are not even thinking about kids, but like, yeah. we, we are, we're there. And the landscape for them, I think is going to be a lot more freedom to just be yeah. who you were meant to be or what mm -hmm. that drive is. That was my spiel. <laughs> Absolutely. And I love the word grandeur, by the way. It, it's, mm. it's, if, if there was like a comma, 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 like list of things I, I, uh, sensitive sensibilities I want to put in my films. Grandeur is one of them. I, I watch Bollywood. If you watch Bollywood movies, you know, you know about grandeur. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I love that. You, you also started talking about, you know, stories. And I want to I want to shift over to that area, because the thing that attracts me to your work and always has is the, the fact that the emphasis that you put on the power of telling stories, but not just any stories, but our stories as well. Yeah. I, you know, I'm from, you know, a small town, East Texas. So when you were talking about your, where you grew up, when yeah. you said small city, big dreams, I was like, yo, that's me. 
you yeah. know, I'm, you know, I'm from a small-ish town in East Texas, and I always had those big dreams to do so many different things. Mm-hmm. And so watching you talk about the power of stories and us g- coming up over here in America uh, and being Black and knowing the, the power generationally and intergenerationally of telling those stories of how we overcome and all the good things we did. Because my grandparents and my, my uh, great aunts and uncles and all that, all the stories they told weren't always about oppression and about racism. Listen, you know, there's so many there's, yeah. there's like we were business owners. My, my great grandfather owned land. My great grandmother was the cafeteria lady that everybody loved. And, you know, uh, my great grandfather was the pastor of the church, but also yeah. owned, you know, the farm down the street and helped yeah. feed the community. Why is it important to tell our stories our way? Why, why is that so important? Because I get I hear a lot of pushback from people like, well, why do we have to tell this or that? And I'm like. There's, a, there's value in that. So yeah. from your perspective, why is it important not, not only to tell our stories, but to tell it our way? I mean, um, I'm, I got a little teary-eyed hearing you describe your ancestry, like, here and there, right? Because, like, I feel like, man, sorry, I need a moment. That's okay. That's <laughs> it's okay. very emotional for me. Um, yeah, yeah. Because, like, you know, my, my first, again, this still goes back to navigating race and ethnicity here in America, like my first time seeing older black people was at uh, Black Family Day in my junior year, you know, mm-hmm. and that was that's not cool. You know what I mean? Like, because then the only other place I had seen that was in movies and the movies don't do justice. Right. Um, if it's not a Tyler Perry movie. Right. That centers mm-hmm. black folk or if it's not a um, one of the other films like uh, The Best Man and. Like those kinds of those those films and they're called black films. Why are they called black films? Right. Mm-hmm. They're, they're films. Right. You know, right. Um, you don't see that. So it's like it's me looking at you, Brandon, and I'm like, man, I don't know the story of the cafeteria lady. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it before. Like, just think about it this way. Right. Baby Driver. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever saw that film. Like the lead character's love interest is a cafeteria girl. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then there's, there's it's 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 complex. When movies about our people are made, like, where's the complexity? Like, where? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I need a moment. No, no, no. <laughs> you're good. It's deep good. for me. I think stories are important. No, I know stories are important because otherwise we're just outlines. Stories fill in the color. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. We're, we're constantly outlines. We're constantly outlines. And sometimes what Hollywood and other industries do is they, they fill in, they fill in what they fill in with guesswork. That's my theory. It's not like it's not like having a black friend or an African friend makes you capable of telling a story, but it helps, you know, if you've been to a gathering, you've been to, I don't know, a cookout or you've, and then maybe you have some understanding of what the humanity there is like. And I'm very careful about that word, because sometimes when you say humanize, you have to other before you humanize, you have to other mm-hmm. us, you have to prove we're actually outside and then say, but we're part of the culture. And I feel like that's like fighting for peace. And it's something I said on Instagram. It's, that's a mm-hmm. weird concept. It's contradictory. But and I feel like I still haven't answered the question, but I think no, you've been answering it. Keep going. Yeah, please, please. If I were to if I were to summarize, summarize, I don't know what order it is. Stories help us fill in the color. Right. Mm -hmm. And so think about it this way. You have a set of crayons. You can choose to paint everywhere. Brown, light brown, dark brown. Or you can choose to have all the colors of the rainbow on there. And I feel like black people, African people have not had half of the color spectrum of their existence on page, you know, in cinema. 
And that's, that's crazy to mm. me. I feel mm. like non-black stories, specifically stories about white folk or just white characters that cast or the backdrop is, is, is America, but the America we understand that black people are excluded from, people of color are excluded from, not only have they filled out the entire color spectrum, they've invented new ones because they've gone to space. And they were wondering why John Boyega, why is a black man in space <laughs> in Star Wars? That is fictional. Right. You see what I'm trying to say? You know, so it's it's these things. It's these things. Oh, black Superman. No, Superman can't be black. We're still talking about that. Are you hmm. serious? Right. But but you have Chewbacca and the other the other people, the other characters who are all kinds of weird. Yeah. And then we're not. There's confusion as to why John Boyega can't play. His character's Finn, right? I'm not a Star Wars yeah, fan. Yeah, yeah, so I'm a like, Star Wars fan. <laughs> okay, I, did, I, did, I only watched that one episode where Anakin meets um, Leia. I think I saw that 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 scene because it, it was kind of like a long scene, and it was, yeah, you know, weird. <laughs> but um, yeah, I. That's why story is important. It's just to fill out the color. I just Im- imagine a kid. I just imagine a kid. Imagine a kid in, in a classroom, and you give them a, a paper, right? with the outlines all right and then you, you you take out some of the colors you take out yellow red green blue mm-hmm. and then you give them brown and black that's our experience man that's not it's not fair mm. so it's not fair to me mm. um and i think the more we keep painting on those canvases the more we are going to really see ourselves you know um it's that it's that line i felt seen you know when people people lined up at the black panther lines i mean what like that was crazy and it's just it's black first black superhero. How many years has Hollywood been doing the damn thing? Excuse my language, right? They they've been doing the thing, and, and that was the first time. It was deeply emotional. I cried, mm-hmm. you know. So um, that's why I'm gonna keep it metaphorical because I, I think proverbs and metaphors can last generations. I'll keep I'll I'll stick with the color thing, and I'll, I'll let people figure out what I was trying to say. Hey, with it, no, no, that's that's brilliant, and I love the way you you literally painted a picture for us with how you responded to that. I, I, th- I think about, you know, some of the other projects and I want to, I want to give you a chance to, uh, and Etanosa, I want to, I want to give you a chance to also uh, ask your question too. So let me, let me stop. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm taking in what you said. Etanosa, did you have a follow-up to that or something different? Cause I, I, I got questions for days now. Cause you, you've opened this up and this is going to be a long episode. Y'all. <laughs> so just buckle up. This ain't going to be the typical 30 minutes that you typically get out of me and Etanosa. We're going to, we're going to stretch this one out a little bit. Cause this content is just, I don't want to miss it. So go ahead. Etanosa. Let's go. I'm down. <laughs> um, I am just very intrigued about you as a filmmaker and stuff like that. And uh, I, you know, I did my, stalking now in social media ages of the work that you've done and stuff like that and your stories and stuff like that and if you guys haven't checked out his website draw mm-hmm. tell them the link to your website because i love it because you really swiped up that domain thank you um my my website is www.ukiroukiro.com i'll spell my name it's u-k-a-i-r-o my last name is the same u-k-a-i-r-o.com um, and my, my first and last name are the same. People always like, even at, I feel like at the airport is the last place you should ask me where your first name and last name are the same. It's like of all places to make a typographical error, it wouldn't be there, but Hey, you know, people are doing their job. So cool. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I'm named, uh, we name we name people after our ancestors. So we don't forget our names. That's a cultural mm, thing. Yes. Yeah. I just um, so happened to be named after someone whose first name was also Kiro. So that's, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but at the beginning of this episode, you kind of mentioned that you create community service films. Yeah. And so I didn't know that before talking to you. And so like now thinking about all the stuff that I watched on your website, I'm like, I love to hear that you're, you're a family oriented person, you're a people's person kind of thing. Yeah. And so is that long-term when you were thinking about the future, you're like, this yeah. is 
what I want to focus on the community service uh, film industry. I don't know if it's industry or just like a niche that you want to yeah. focus I, on. I call them community service films because the key words are community and service. But right. it, I think I, I'm using, maybe I should find a new word for it, but it's not that the, these are films are about community service. Right. It is that the films I believe serve the community because that's the heart that I'm bringing into them. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the day, so some backstory to Durag Day. I love telling the story. I woke up, I don't know. It was when I was discovering what I was trying to do again, still figuring things out. Um, and that day I knew that Slim, Christopher Plummer and Mbai, and I heard that there was a Durag Day happening. It was Slim Mbai and um, John, John McDonald. And yeah, I heard there was a Durag, something called Durag Day happening. And two weeks before that, I didn't know what a Durag was. I had been in America for two years, right? So I'm like, <laughs> that was the first time I wore a Durag was on Durag Day. And now I have a Durag, a Durag in my bathroom. There's this filmmaker I really, really like. And a lot of people in the commercial world world like him. His name is Salomon Liklum. I, I don't pronounce it right. He's a, he's a filmmaker from South Africa. He's a white South African filmmaker. Has a very a great variety of experiences, though. Like he's lived in Dubai and blah 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 blah. blah. And th- there's a, there's a platform called Musicbed that does m- stock music, like um, licensing music for commercials. And they did a featurette of him, like a documentary, kind of short documentary of him. And in the in the film, he taught. It's called Into the Abyss. Salomon Lickalem. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm pronouncing his name wrong, but I'll, let me just go with Lighthelm because that's how I would pronounce it if I were to pronounce it wrong. I'll call him Salomon. So Salomon, in this interview, asked a question about purpose and, and the abyss and, and ego and the purpose of art. And at the end of the film, the words are, creativity is for others. It's to serve others. I was listening to that that morning. It wasn't the first time I had seen it, but I was listening to it to get hype to film Durag Day. Because mm-hmm. something clicked for me, and I and and maybe I might need to pronounce pr- provide some backstory to why it clicked for me. But something clicked for me, and I knew if I went there and if I just held record once in a while, you know, that's how because that's how cameras work. And yeah. if I did my thing, because no one was watching, we didn't know people would be watching later. You know, which is which is how why it was kind of cool. No one is watching this. No one is going to see this video except black students and the group me. No, it doesn't matter, Kiro. Like, just have fun. Film what you see, edit it, make it live, have fun. That was the whole idea behind Durag Day. And and so the heart that informed that was not, I want to make a viral video or I want to chase clout or I want to make anything look cool. It's, again, the goal. And the goal was was not to make it look cool. It was to say, look, if I bring out my camera anywhere on the UT campus and there's a bunch of black students gathered together. If I push record, you're going to see life. It's a vibe. You're going to see laughter. You're going to see love. You're going to see jokes. You're going to see some people studying for exams. You're going to see stress. You're going to see a wide range of human emotions. So why is it that I, as an unexperienced filmmaker, can show up to a community, push record and capture these images and Hollywood is still trying to figure out how to have that level of complexity. That was the whole idea. It was like, why make it make, make sense? It's like, then you're not trying. And so that was what Durag Day was about. It was about showing up and saying, okay, well, this is an ordinary Thursday, whatever people are gathered because Durag Day could be any day. Mm-hmm. And so recording Durag Day and then seeing how, where, how it went and then people's reaction to it, I was like, wait, this is kind of cool. It wasn't me thinking, oh my God, we went viral. Yes, BET, like let's, you know, let's, it was like, huh, okay, okay. So people want to see this then, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Cool. There's a, there's a market for this. I don't mean that in a business sense. I mean, there's eyes. 
yeah. people are watching this. And then you go to the comments and you see how people are reacting to it. I'm like, what? And as in my head as a Nigerian, right, who was again still understanding what is what what does it mean to be black in America? I was like, why is this a big deal? Hmm. Okay. Cool. Let's let's just keep doing this. Then <laughs> that was literally it. Let's just keep serving. I'm going to show up to places because another thing was, who's going to do the work for no pay? Mm-hmm. You know, and I couldn't get paid because I'm an international student, right? Mm-hmm. So just I'm just going to show up and just film whatever I want to film and edit it and share it, you know? So that's why they're community service films. It's, it's community and it's service. And I just, I'm long-term, you asked long-term. I, I, I don't know um, because, but I, but I spend a lot of time with myself. I'm a very reflective person. And I try to listen to, to what my heart is beating for. Mm-hmm. And yesterday I was shooting something with two uh, UT alumni that is centered around love. And that is just what my spirit told me to do. Mm. I encourage people to, I haven't gone to like a single therapy session, like a one-on-one therapy session, but I, I'm very big on my mental health and quietening the outside noise. You would be surprised about how God, the universe, whatever you believe, whatever is the thing that guides you. And even if you're atheist, you'll be surprised at what happens when your mind gets quiet. And, and you, can, you can be on social media and still have a quiet mind. Right. You could buy I had to leave Twitter though. <laughs> but <laughs> when your mind when you quiet your mind, you will start hearing whispers. I, I this is me. Let me just say me. Maybe it's not for everyone. There are these whispers from somewhere that tell me to go do something. And every time I have not done that thing, I have either I have always regretted it, not in a deep, like grand way, but I've always regretted it because give it months, give it a year, someone else will do it. And I'm and my problem is not that it's not that someone else did it. So I'm like, dang, I should have done it. I don't want that person to do it. It's not a possession thing. It's, wow, the universe is really going to do what it's going to do. Like, <laughs> you hopping on? And so long-term, Etinosa, I'm just going to keep listening to those whispers. I don't know where they come from. I kind of do. But, I, you know, I'm just going to say, I don't know where they come from. And I'm going to listen to them. And if they say, go film that or go do that, go do this, go do this, go. I just go. Whatever it tells me to do. If it's to make a film, it's to write something. There's an article that I was told to write by these whispers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think if, if you, if, you know, in Christianity, I would call it the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. right? Just tell you, go, go write that article. I didn't write the article. And then something else happened. And I didn't write the article. Then I was sort of again, write the article, write the article. It's about Nigeria. It's about NSARS. It's about technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and things just kept getting worse now. But, but where things are right now in Nigeria, if I wrote the article, who knows what conversation it could have started. Right. And I'm hearing the whisper right now to go write the article. So maybe I'm going to write it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, it was on your spirit. Yeah. They said, yes. just talk about it. Have you ever read the book, The Alchemist? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, a game changer book. I love that. I, I very much resonate with the whole reflection. And I do think like I'm a person who believes in God kind of thing, but I also believe like the universe will give you things. They will give you yeah. signs. They will show you things. They will put things in your heart, in your mind and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's, you're onto something right there. No, ab- absolutely. And I can't, I need to, I want to emphasize that so much because a lot, whew, and, and healing is important. You know, mm-hmm. the thing, here's, here's why healing is important. Sometimes intuition can seem like paranoia, mm. but the difference can be very clear. If you fine tune, if you fine tune your frequencies, and I'm not trying to sound um, very intellectual head, new agey or anything or astrological. It's literally just like, if you keep working on understanding who you are, you will begin to tell the difference between intuition, paranoia, fear, like all these emotions and again, you're not told to have a wide range of emotions, depending on your background, depending on our background. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot to be said about our community. There's ways we haven't necessarily like been encouraged to develop language for, 
mm-hmm. you know, mental health only became more of a thing in the black community. Let's say a couple of years ago, you know what I mean? There was a short film that went viral where this girl and these two girls are talking about depression. And then it started this big conversation and there's so much about like our emotions. And that's why we need to make the films about them. Let's make films where black men are crying. Let's make films where kids are, cr- mm-hmm. let's make films where the parents are around. Let's make films where the, the kids are hurt. Let's make films where they're, 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 Let's make films where it's not trauma, 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 mm-hmm. right? And then let's invite people to the conversation around complexity in terms of human emotion. And so to bring it back to what I was saying about science, right? We are, we are really, really capable, but there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of being busy, right? And I just have the luxury. I think it's a luxury of some time just being able to not have to do anything. And in those moments, if I don't pick up my phone, but I tend to, but if I don't pick up my phone, if I don't get distracted with something, something is going to speak to me. And when it speaks to me, I think it's asking me to serve, right? Because I'm not here for myself. It's a, it's a concept called Ubuntu. It's, mm-hmm. it's an African concept, right? I am, I am because you are. So my existence is tied to your existence. And the film work that I'm doing is tied to the tech work that someone who works at Adobe is doing, who's from Black UT. It's tied to what someone in LA who's from Black UT is doing. We're all tied together. And so I need to show up and do my own part. I need to be on some Avengers type energy. I need, I need to pop up and like, you bomb Like I need to do my own part. <laughs> right. That's it. That's all. It's simple. It's, it's, it's that simple to me. So I'm just going to keep doing my thing as much as I can. And I think, I think it works out at the end. And then, you know, we go, we die. Right. Um, <laughs> and then it's over. <laughs> yeah. And it continues. It lives on. Maybe what yeah. you do could live on in other people, you know? So. So I got a question for you and I know we, we got time for probably one or two more questions, but the one I want to ask is about black UT. And yeah. I know that you're speaking about this, uh, as someone who immigrated uh, here yeah. uh, and yeah. experienced it through a different lens, what was it like for you to experience Black UT? And how would you describe Black UT to anybody listening, uh, whether yeah. it be an incoming freshman or a non-Black student that's going to come here? Like, what is Black UT? Black UT is live. Mm-hmm. You know, Black UT is, Black UT is, man, it's really dynamic. You know, so many, um, some of the most ambitious people I've met in America, I met them at Black UT. <laughs> I'm serious, man. What's up? I don't know, man. You ever, are you ever talking with someone? You're just talking with someone. And you're just like, yo, like they're a dream. Maybe yeah. depending on how, where your energy is in terms of like your, your sense of self, maybe worth, I guess, or esteem. Sometimes you can get intimidated. And I, a lot of times I'm talking with people in Black UT and I'm like, wow, that's what you're trying to do. <laughs> how, like. Where did you get that audacity from, man? <laughs> you know, in this country too, that's crazy, right? Because for me, when I came to when I came to America, this is a this is a hilarious story, um, and it could it might I, we'll see how people receive it. But here's what happened, right? Growing up in Nigeria, most of my experience of blackness was from watching American movies. Mm-hmm. So you so I basically watched what white people watched. You know what I mean? D- does that make sense? Like I'm yeah. not. I'm, I'm not watching some complex researched version of what the black experience is. I'm watching crime, drugs, right? Um, addiction, single fatherhood. I mean, single motherhood, father in prison, like everything, you know, mm-hmm. that is put into the movies. I'm seeing a lot of death too. Right. But I happen to have a dad who has a strong Pan-African consciousness. My dad was the first person who told, who told me, yeah, you know, people love him. Okay. But I really like Malcolm X. I was like, Dad, what is MLK? <laughs> he said, well, MLK is a civil rights, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, what is Malcolm X? He's like, oh, Malcolm X was this, this, this. I was like, huh. So why do you like Malcolm X? He said, 
He's just more unapologetic, blah, 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 blah. I was 14 or 13. I didn't know what he was talking yeah, about. Yeah. But when you have a father who's not telling you, and this is a thing that needs to, this is a conversation that we need to keep trying to figure out the language to have about the, 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 the divide between the diaspora, right? I was fortunate. So my dad didn't tell me, when you go to America, avoid black people. He didn't. If anything, it was like, get in there. <laughs> get in there and do your thing. Um, as an Ija boy, as an Igbo boy, go in there and do your thing. You're part, we're all part of the same family, Ubuntu, you know. Mm-hmm. But when I got on campus, the one thing, and maybe maybe um, Big Mama's house was also my reference for, but so, <laughs> I didn't have the best, you know, I didn't have the best reference. Had a best thing on repertoire. <laughs> but you know what? That's that's what Hollywood is pumping pumping everywhere. Right. You know what I mean? It wasn't my it wasn't like my do. I didn't go and choose these things. That's all that that was that was all you could select, um, right. on cable. And so I show up to America and I knew about the black nod. So I show mm-hmm. up and I'm walking on somewhere, I think 24th and UACs or something. And I see this black student, right? And I knew I was like, oh, that's something everyone does. And this is, again, people who know, like who see me, they know I'm black and everything. Like they might be confused. Why are we having this experience at 25th? I was like, I didn't know. <laughs> so I see, I see this guy and I'm like, and I give him the nod. I was like, right. I tipped my, my, my chin. Yeah. And he didn't tip it back. Ah. I was like, what? Hmm. What's going on? And I think I might have done it another time. And then someone didn't give me like the warmth I thought I was supposed to have because of what I had read about the black nod. Like, again, I want you to picture this is very visually funny. Like this phenotypically black dude from Nigeria researching about blackness to understand blackness because you mm-hmm. understand it. Um, and so that experience made me feel like, I don't know, man, I, I just didn't feel a whole lot of warmth. But that was a bad experience because, because of it was fresh. Freshmen, we're all nervous when we're freshmen, like sure. who's who and whatever. And I used that to, to paint my image of what my experience could be in the, in the black community. Um, and that was that was false. Right. And then the African community was like where I found a little bit more semblance, which is natural. It's fine. Like it's, it's, it's what happened. Right. And then I went to audition for Hum Acapella, a South Asian acapella group. Mm-hmm. In, U, in Black UT. They're great. I learned a lot of stuff about music on there. And I did that for two years. When I got there, I felt very welcome. And that became my community for two years. Mm-hmm. Like I, people would wonder, bro, like, what are you doing on that stage? I was the Black dude on the UT stages with <laughs> South Asian students, right? Beatboxing, right? To Bollywood music. <laughs> so that was my experience for two years. And then in 2016, right? I mean, I know, I know the, the math doesn't end up, but basically the, the, the racial consciousness started like unlocking in 2016 when Philando Castile was murdered mm-hmm. and then Alton Sterling was murdered. And then on, on that Friday, uh, there was a man who opened fire on police officers in Dallas. That was hell week for me. That was 2016. And that, when, that, was, when I re- that was when I realized, oh, snap, I am black because you see, no police officer is going to ask me, hey, are you Nigerian or are you black? <laughs> and then I was right. like, well, I could pull out my passport and tell them I'm not one of them. And I was like, why don't you want to mm-hmm. be one of them, Ukiro? Mm. Wow. Right. So what, what's going on there? What has informed these ideas? And I, I, I went through depression, man. <laughs> I went through depression. It was serious in 2016. And, mm. and that was also when I started feeling like I needed to, I needed to, and then I was going to, I don't want to talk, let me not talk about that part. Let me not go there. Okay. Um, but I was just like in, in spaces that didn't validate these ideas or these visuals, not, not my acapella group, but it was a different community I was a part of. And so I was like, man, like, if I'm going to understand blackness, if I'm going to understand how I'm navigating this world as the, in the way that I'm seen, I need to be part of the black community. And I joined VOA, Voice of Africa. And I also left my acapella group because I was like, I need to explore, I need to dive in. And that, that was kind of like how I got into black community. So I, I had I had two years of a strong black experience at UT. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll describe black UT as live, 
I would describe Black UT as warm and welcoming, but it's complex, mm-hmm. just like any organization. I, I can't, I'm not going to paint it as like, oh my God, it's clouds and like feathers. It's complex. Mm-hmm. You know, there's politics, there's social things mm-hmm. happening, there's life. We're young people, right? There's all those things happening. There's, <laughs> there's clicks, right? But but there's a community for everybody. You can find it. Don't give up. That's what I, what I would tell anyone who's interested in UT. Don't give up before you can find it somewhere. It, it, whatever pocket you want, you can find it or you create it. How about that? Well, it here. As well. Changes the world. That's right. Yeah. And to know, so I'm going to let you ask the last question. Oh, the last questions. Yeah, you know what? This yeah. is this is all about focusing, refocusing on you and what you've got going, because we are here to empower people and help people get to the next level. Right. So I really want to ask you, like, if, if there's anything that we can do for you, what can we do for you to help you there we go. have all your dreams come true? Yep. Man, I'm doing the... I know. It's a tough question. I'm sorry. I should have, like, prepped you for this one. Man, no, I wasn't ready for you to phrase it that way. I know. I'm sorry. Oprah vibes on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, okay, I'll give the very obvious one. So currently, I'm going to my second year at the University of Southern California School of Cinematic Arts. I, months ago, decided I was going to drop out or take a leave of absence because the financial situation within my immediate family, which is the main source of my funding, it just changed during COVID. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad is a lawyer. My mom is a lawyer now. Courts weren't open for a whole, like, for several months. People people don't get paid in the, the civil service. Look, Nigeria is a, is a, is, is a mess in a lot of ways. I can't, like, everyone knows it, right? Um, and so I felt like the financial... That conversation I would have with my family every month where I would ask for funds for the, for my payment plan at USC, I just, I think I just got tired of that conversation because I saw what it was doing to, like, just the weight of, like, thousands, thousands of dollars every month, right? Um, savings money, money that was that could go to my other siblings and everything. I was just, you know, I was just, like, swallowing all of it so I could go to film school. And I, and, you know... And I know people are worried about money, but I'm really transparent about money. I don't know, like, maybe it's because I'm Igbo, but I just don't want to go through that anymore. And so I kind of gave up, to be honest. And I started having conversations with people, my close networks, my mentors, Moyo, Yelola, Texas X, Uche Ago, Texas X. These are people I shout out every time because they gave me opportunities to learn. Um, I had conversations with other people and I was just like, man, yeah, I should just take a leave of absence. I'm tired. I've been hustling in this country because being an international student, that's the second thing you guys are going to help me with. That's actually a second thing. I'll come back to that. But being an international student is very difficult. If you all don't know, um, getting internships, getting Mm -hmm. paid internships, getting experiences outside of class, earning money, getting jobs. It is so difficult because there's loophole. There's loops you have to jump through. Not loops because jumping through loops is, is the wrong thing. I mean, there's obstacles that you have to get across cpt opt google these things if you can I, I'm, I'm trying to be i'm trying to be quick with my answer um there's there, there are legal considerations before you get a job right you have right. to get you have to I'll, okay i'll give you a simple example let's just go into it you have to pay for an internship class to do an internship mm. so basically if i wanted to do an internship when i was at ut and i did I had to do it every all the three times i had internships you pay for an internship class and the internship class is not like you're even learning anything. You're just writing an essay to summarize your internship experience. But you're paying for credit hours, like $2,000, $3,000 sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then you go for your internship. And then you can't, you can't gain any kind of work experience that is not film-related or tech-related or science-related, whatever it is you are doing. And so that kind of presents 
a lot of obstacles. And I understand why the laws exist because you're not coming to the US to work, you come to the US to study. But it makes life difficult for people like me. And I've been hustling and hustling and hustling and hustling and working and working and working and working, doing unpaid work, trying to get out there. And I've been doing this since 2015. I was tired. So I wanted mm-hmm. to give up. But then I don't know what happened. I don't know what conversations I was having. And then it hit me that I, ha- I was now bringing the goalpost of my goals, my dreams, so close to fit my wallet. Mm. And I want, one day I woke up and it didn't feel right. It didn't feel right because I've never really done that. But I think it was just the financial stress. So I'm trying to raise money for, well, I decided to create a GoFundMe, which again, if you know the stigma with boring, like I guess boring money from people or getting donated to, it was a hard decision. But I was like, look, I have these dreams. Everyone, is, we're all going to benefit from this. I'm not as I might be Nigerian, but I'm not a phone that I'm not a scammer. This is transparently like I'm I'm trying to raise money to go to school. And I want to tell these stories and they're important to me and they're important to everyone I've spoken to. So I'm trying to raise forty eight thousand dollars for film school. So far, we've raised seven thousand four hundred dollars, I think, mm-hmm. since last week, Friday. So that's good because so basically my fall tuition has been covered, not my fall living or accommodation or expense or anything, but my tuition at least is covered so I can register for classes. I'm trying to raise some more money to just get through my second year. I don't know what I'm going to do with my second, my third year. Like we'll see, right? I'm going to keep working and applying for scholarships, but sure. um, my GoFundMe link is in my Instagram bio. And I encourage anyone who listens to this to watch the video and to hear me talk about why I want to go to film school. And, and, the, and the emphasis, it's not about going to school. It's not about my education. It's about the experience of being able to create these stories and tell these stories. Um, so that is one way that that y'all can support. Just donate anything. I've had friends donate $10, $5, $2. It counts, man, because two plus mm-hmm. two is four minus one. That's the quick math, my joke. My joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> but two plus two is four, four plus two, you know, four plus two, it adds up. So anything, even if it's a dollar, I would take it. Nine cents, I will take it off of your hands. Just give it to me, please. Let me just go to USC and do my second year. Um, please, for real, for real, I'm actually begging. <laughs> I'm, I'm not ashamed of that, right? Because right. um, I believe in what I can do with community support. So, so that, is, that is how one way y'all can help me. And um, share, my, share my work with people. Um, if you have any friends in the industry, in the film industry looking for interns, share it with them. I like to, I like to do film stuff. Um, I'm very hardworking and I listen, I pay attention. I take correction. Um, I grow exponentially when I hear advice and, and direction. Uh, I can kill it. It's what, it's what I'm saying. So please, if you have any resources, networks, anyone you could get me on the phone with, um, please do that for me, man. And I will just tell them my story. And if it works, it works. If they're not about it, I, I understand. It's not personal. But please help this boy, this man, mm-hmm. this person <laughs> go to continue at film school. I've done one year. I just have, I have two more years. Let me just get to the second year. Let's see what I can do about the third, but let's get to the second. Listen, thank you so much for your transparency. Uh, We're going to put the link uh, to uh, your website in the liner notes, and we're also going to put the link to the GoFundMe. I've already put it on our Twitter and connected it to our uh, department. Uh, The department will pick it up, and they usually retweet um, the tweets that I put out about the show. And so it's going to go to all the people that follow me on Twitter and social media. I put put the link to your GoFundMe on my Instagram the other day when I reached out to you. Um, you. Several of my friends from church and family members have all been like, we got to support him. So so your video is out there. I I, I can confirm that from the social media feeds I've been scrolling through. Uh, One of my Haitian friends here in the city uh, that works at Facebook was already pumping it out too. So you're going to get some support one way or the other, but I want to make sure that the live audience 
uh, because we're, you know, most of our audience is UT, uh, Texas X's, um, current students, uh, students getting ready to graduate. Y'all are, y'all know what it is. We're going to take care of our own. And so we definitely want to make sure that we make sure that we take, we do what we can to support you. And so folks, if you're out there and you got nine cents or $9, let's make sure that we can, uh, support a young man uh, trying to fulfill the dream of telling stories. And I promise you, if you watch the video, go watch the video. Like, even if you don't fully listen to what we're trying to say now, definitely go and watch the video. And if you're not convinced that Okiro is uh, doing his thing and really committed to this, come talk to me. And then we can have another <laughs> conversation. But if you're not, if, if you, if you can, something's wrong, if you watch that video and you're not convinced or sold on this young man's dream. And so we definitely want to encourage you all to support any way you can. And to know so I'm going to give you the final word here and, and then we'll turn it, we'll let Okiro say any other final remarks he might have. Final remarks. Um, this was an amazing episode. It was so ha- great to have you on the show to share your dreams, your hopes, and the future destinations you have going on for you. Um, I'm happy that we can, you know, provide that space for you to share your stories. Thank you. And stuff like that. Um, and I, my brother is a Trojan family person, oh. fight on kind of thing. So is my sister-in-law. So cool. I know that you're at the best possible place to do amazing things at their film school. Yeah. Um, but yes, um, that's all we've got for this episode. Kiro, if you want to say anything, say bye to the people. We would love that too. Yeah. Um, y'all, please connect me to your African brothers and sisters and family members who are interested in film, who want to mentor. I, I've, keep tweeting it once in a while. I'm not on Twitter anymore, but I used to tweet it a lot. I, I I really think that my mentors were the ones who made it possible for me to have this theory that mentors deduct two years of wasting your time from the advice that I give you. And so please send 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 your friends, anyone who wants to do film, especially from they're from the black or African community. Um, sometimes they just have questions. We I know I had questions and I want to provide the, the answers to those questions that anyone could have. So I'm looking for mentees, man. Um, send anyone my way, please. Like, I, like I am begging. I've actually been looking for, for people who just want to talk about film, want to share their work with me and get feedback. Um, I love doing that stuff. Um, and I promise I'm not harsh. I'm just honest. <laughs> and I'll, I'll like to send you on your way to even enjoying doing your work more. So that would be my final word. Get, you know, uh, I, I, I believe in paying it forward and, and, you know, serving. So um, send mentees my way of your people go for therapy take care of yourselves um, love yourself you know journal I don't know I just want people to take care of themselves man it's been a tough two years like 2020 2020 was so hard so um, please you know I know everyone has to get back to work but make sure you're taking care of yourselves and um, and yeah just go go watch some cool movies and I think that's it love y'all peace thank y'all so much for tuning in We hope you enjoyed today's episode. To catch the next installment, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. We'll see you next time.